You are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On 49ers. Brian Peacock and Eric Crocker with you at BD Peacock at Eric underscore Crocker on Twitter. Feel free to uh, hit us with some of your questions and your thoughts heading into this 2021 season. We'll have the week one matchup, the Detroit Lions preview for you by the end of the week. We've got football starting Thursday. 49ers roster continues to change. Croc, this is the big one today. Cornerback Josh Norman. And uh, I know you went live on Croc Talk TV right after that signing was announced. And by the way, we still don't know whose job he's taken, right? right. Uh, is somebody hurt? Uh, the, I, I assume if he's going to hit the practice field today with the 49ers, maybe today's a physical, he'll hit practice field tomorrow. So maybe they have 24 hours or so to officially still figure out who's going to be cut from the 53-man roster to fit Josh Norman in, or we'll find out if there's an injury situation, someone goes on IR or, or something like that. But um, Josh Norman, he's been around the league a little bit. Going to turn, he's 33 years old, going to turn 34 in December Croc, big name, big personality. What do you think about the 49ers agreeing to terms with Josh Norman? My initial thought was who's hurt, you know, Mm -hmm. or who's hurt more than we think, right? I mean, when you look at the 49ers secondary and how it's set up right now, you have Jason Verrett, you have Emmanuel Mosley, and then you have two rookies, and you also brought back uh, Dante Johnson. It's like, what would you need a Josh Norman for because typically a signing like that, you'd expect this guy to, like, you sign Josh Allen, like, you want him to come in and play. So the only thing that I could think of was that, one, is something going on with Dante Johnson? Because that was kind of like your veteran wildcard guy that you can fill in. And t- two, is maybe Emmanuel Mosley more hurt yeah. than we originally thought with this hamstring or quad or whatever he's got going on. That's that's the initial thing that I thought about is because if you need someone because you already have Dante Johnson and you didn't even mention uh, nickel corner K1 Williams so that's six right. corners the 49ers have on the roster you don't carry seven corners I mean nobody does the 49ers haven't in the at the time I've covered this team I can't remember the time they they carried seven cornerbacks so to me it's got to be something going on at corner and the the thing that makes the most sense is they realize Mosley's hurt enough that he, his availability could be in question and they're not comfortable with Dante Johnson. They're not comfortable with the rookies, D'Amador Lenore or uh, uh, Marce, or uh, Ambry Thomas. They're not comfortable with any right. of these guys jumping in and playing significant snaps if Emmanuel Mosley is injured and can't play. So that's the only thing to me that would make sense in this. And hopefully crossing fingers and, and knocking on wood here, hopefully it's not that Jason Verrett has somehow come down with an injury in the last well, few he, days. He or at the, that party uh, they the had. Plantar fasciitis or whatever. Excuse but me? that's not. Wait, that, say that's it again. Not, is he hurt? You say what? What do you do? Verrett? He has plantar fasciitis. Oh, you mean like, a, like an ongoing thing from the past or it's a new thing? I think it's a new thing, but it's just as he'll, but... I have that. Actually, it hasn't flared up in a while now. It's kind of this like burning sensation in your heel, and it can hurt sometimes, but it ain't nothing that's going to stop a football player. Like they, they deal with way worse things than that. It, it's not like a, it's not like the equivalent of like having turf toe. It's just kind of this sharp pain that you can kind of get in your heel, and it's more 
annoying than anything else, but not anything that will keep somebody off the field. Plantar fasciitis. I didn't realize that Jason Verrett was dealing with a little bit something himself. So both starting corners kind of have a little something, and maybe that's enough, and they felt like they needed a veteran uh, because they didn't want to have to trot out uh, D'Amador and Dante Johnson as starting cornerbacks at some point. And I wouldn't want right. to either, so I can understand that. Um, <laughs> do you think – okay, let's get a few things out of the way. Josh Norman. I mean, a lot of people saw that. Like, great veteran signing. It's cheap. He's I think his base salary is a little over the veteran minimum, and then he could, with incentives, could make up to $2.5 million. And people see the name Josh Norman, they think, oh, cool, that's a starting caliber cornerback. Do you think that healthy – Emmanuel Mosley is beat out by Josh Norman. Did they sign Josh Norman to straight up start, even if Emmanuel Mosley is healthy? And, you know, just, I, I would say no, right? I would say like, no, Mosley is more talented at this point in his career. You know, he's, he's younger, he's healthier, like all those things, he can run better. But I always go back to the end of last year when Mosley was reverted to playing special teams while uh, Dante Johnson played the nickel and the Keller Witherspoon played on the outside. And that always just kind of stuck with me in the sense of like, how do they feel about him? Now, so far, it would sound like in training camp, Emmanuel Mosley was just like playing very well. And I know we haven't been able to see it because of these kind of nagging little injuries he's kind of dealt with in the preseason. But I just don't, I've saw some people say it's a, it's like a well. It's good to have a veteran backup. I'm like, how many veterans do these kids need? Like, you you have <laughs> one. You got Jason Verrett. Like, dude, we're talking about somebody that's like almost 30 years old. Like, Jason Verrett's been around the league. You can learn from Jason Verrett. Dante Johnson's been around the league. He's probably pushing 30 years old. Jaquaski Tart, Kwan Williams, Jimmy Ward. They're all pushing 30 years old. Like, they have the veterans that they need in that secondary to help young guys. Like, they don't need to bring in Josh uh, Josh Norman for that. So this this is different. There's not just some veteran depth signing. This is a signing of we're worried about something. We just don't know exactly what that something is yet. Yeah, here's the thing maybe that they're worried about. So let's go down the path of and I agree with you. I I, I don't think you would disrupt anything with the starters, Mosley and Verrett. To me there's got to be some sort of an injury situation because the numbers point to that. Uh the way the roster's been constructed all offseason points to that. If you were uncomfortable with Mosley and you thought you needed a better starting cornerback, that would have been put into motion in March, February, April, not the week before the season starts, right? Because they knew right. Mosley was the guy the whole time anyway. So um, that's not something that I think is is they're bringing in Norman necessarily to start over Mosley. And I agree with you just watching both guys. And I, I haven't watched Norman as closely. I tried to go back and watch a little bit from him last year in Buffalo, but um, Mosley is the starter, I think, if healthy. I think we both pretty much agree with that. But here's the question then. So maybe Mosley's tweaked and, and they're worried he might not be able to start in week one or early in the season or worried that it might re-injure himself and he has to come out of the game. So that tells me they're not comfortable with Diamador Lenore, who I think would be the next man up, jumping in and being a starter, and not Dante Johnson either. And if you're not comfortable with Dante Johnson jumping in there and playing meaningful snaps, why is he on the roster? Well, I will say this about Lenore having to play, and, and obviously, like, we're just kind of hypothetically speaking here, mm -hmm. but let's say Mosley can't play for the first two weeks for whatever reason or three weeks. The third week will be the troublesome one. But, you know, you look at the Detroit Lions, like, they don't have anybody that is really going to scare you. I mean, maybe Brashard Perryman was someone who you were like, oh, man, like, 
he's a veteran. He has long speed, but they released him. He's gone. So right now, all they have is like St. Brown, the rookie and uh, from USC. A Pac-12. Diamador has probably covered Amonra St. Brown a ton of times. Like that's probably right. the best the best card he could pull being a rookie in your first NFL game is to cover that guy who you've already covered and he probably doesn't scare you. And and then week two, you have Philadelphia who, I mean, they have Devontae Smith who is a terrific separator and he's somebody that definitely could give some of these 49er corners some trouble. But, I mean, just overall, it's not like a scary receiving core. It's not until week three when you have to play, you know, Devontae Adams. Yeah. You have to play uh, uh, Valdez Scantling. I mean, these guys, they can run, like, in that that's that could be the more challenging one, but just right off bat, if you were just thinking maybe that Mosley's week to week, you st- I think you would probably roll with the youngster Lenore and Dante Johnson, you know, in some some combination of that, as opposed to bringing in Josh Norman. So again, I, I just think that this is one they're definitely saying they're worried about something, and we really won't know until probably right after we record this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um- Really quick, actually, we'll we'll hold on a second, and I want to play the audio from when Josh Norman got the call. He was filming this other little thing, and I saw it on social media, and uh, I don't know what where this was supposed to air or, or what it's even for or what he's filming at this point, but he got a call from his agent about the 49ers being the team and uh, that he was going to sign with the 49ers. So we'll hear that next. You mentioned Akella Witherspoon. He has been traded, so his third team now in the last eight months. Uh, we will talk a little bit about that. Uh, we've got a number of things we can get into on today's program. Let's make the most of this football season, shall we? There is a better way to create your custom pool at runyourpool.com, the premier sports pool hosting service. Run Your Pool makes it ridiculously easy to run a football pool with friends, family, or office mates. They offer dozens of formats, including Survivor, Pick'em, Squares, Margin, Confidence Pools, 33, and more. Run Your Pool hosts formats for NFL and college football with one-week games, full season, playoffs, or for the Super Bowl. Unlike other fantasy sports platforms, Run Your Pool has options and settings to make it your own. You can even brand your pool for your local business, bar, or restaurant. Reconnect with friends and join nearly 2 million football fans to make every game action-packed this season. Check them out today and get $10 off at runyourpool.com slash locked on or use our promo code locked on at checkout. Anywhere, everywhere in the world, Run Your Pool helps friends and colleagues compete this NFL season. The season starts September 9th. Start today at runyourpool.com slash locked on and have your pool up and running in minutes getting ready for that regular season. Runyourpool.com slash locked on. It's that time of year again and all eyes are now turning back to football as teams are back on the gridiron to start this 2021 season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. Get all the updated odds, props, and contests, including online's biggest half-million-dollar NFL mega contest and the world's largest $200,000 NFL survivor contest. Open now at Bet Online. Head to the website, use your mobile device, sign up today, and receive your 100% welcome bonus. Be sure to take advantage of their opening day super promo. Make a bet on the Thursday, September 9th season opener 
between the Super Bowl champion Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys. And if you lose, your wager will be refunded up to $25 for new customers only when signing up and using promo code NFL100. From football to basketball, boxing, and your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait and take advantage of all the great offers available for the 2021 season at Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Yo. Jano. What up? You good? I'm solid, man. What's going on? Nothing. So I know this process has been long, and I know that there's been a, a lot of conversations about your future and where you want to go and what you want to do. And you've been very particular, particular with what you, uh, you wanted this next chapter to look like. Um, we got San Francisco where, uh, we want them. We, uh, you know, like you said, they, they have a good defense. They have a, a team that can compete and potentially win right now. Um, so you make the final call, man. What do you think? Well, shoot, man. Hey, we locked and loaded. Let's get it done. Let's get it. Let's do it? Yeah, man. Let's get it done. I'm locked and loaded. You're 49er. Cool, man. Wait. We'll talk right. soon. We'll go get this done. Yeah, later. All right, bro. Yeah. <clears throat> well. <laughs> well, there you have it. Because like we went to the bay. <laughs> Josh Norman, first of all, did not sound too psyched to be signing with the 49ers. Um, and it's hard to tell hearing his agent on the phone there if he was sort of fluffing him a little bit with how much uh, interest there actually was with Josh Norman right. or if this was a situation. I kind of took away from this. He's like, hey, Josh, we got an offer. You're taking it. You're going to the 49ers. And, you know, and he's like, yeah, OK, I understand. But for the camera, maybe they, they try to make it sound like, you know, he had a ton of offers, a ton of stuff that he was going through. And who knows? Maybe this was sort of the moment where he was hoping someone would get hurt earlier in the offseason we get a bigger offer for someone else and so he didn't want to jump on anything earlier in the offseason and yeah uh, they're right it's a good team to go to a good defense a team ready to win so makes some sense for a veteran to come in here and and sign but I didn't get the vibe that he was super psyched about you know maybe it's the money maybe and that part was cut out there's definitely some editing in there so maybe they talked about (laughs) some other specifics but he didn't seem that jacked about coming to the 49ers no I think the longer in the NFL you just understand it's a business so you know I think we you know, this isn't someone that is an undrafted rookie free agent joining the team for the first time. You know, this is a veteran who's been around the league. He's made a ton of money after, the, you know, those years with the Panthers when he was like franchise tagged and ended up signing a big contract with Washington and then, he, you know, out the league. And now, you know, he's probably going to be playing for a vet minimum with incentives. So for him, it's just like, all right, whatever. Let me go get this money real quick. Uh, you know, obviously he wants to compete. He is. I will say this about Josh Norman. He's extremely competitive, like he is. So from that standpoint, he is the kind of guy I don't want to just sleep on and think like, oh, well, just nothing is going to come from this. He's just going to be bad. Like he, there's, there's a scenario where he could be good. I would like to see if the 49ers, if they continue to run quarters, he was one of, if not the best, press bail quarters coverage guy I've ever seen in my life. I mean, like, he was so good at it. The only other person I've seen that legit read down concepts from a press bill as good as like, or like, you know, kind of up there like that was like Jeffrey Okuda at Ohio State. Mm. But um, if the 49ers continue with this too high defense, that is something where he can play well in. He, okay. He's just limited. He's limited athletically. Like, like uh, Richard Sherman, and I think even more so with Josh Norman, he was not the best athlete coming out. 
I think it was the competitiveness. It was the understanding of things that allowed him to really compete with guys like Odell Beckham because he really had no business doing it, but he did an amazing job covering Odell, Des Bryant, kind of getting in those guys' heads. And we'll see if he can kind of get back to that. But, I mean, we're talking about 2015, Josh Norman. That was six years ago. Right, yeah. So he's 33 years old. He's turning 34 in December. He's actually older than Richard Sherman. Do you think the 49ers were planning on this being Richard Sherman? And they had to sort of change course a little bit, and they ended up with uh, sort of a similar idea, similar style of player, older guy, maybe limited athletically, but they could play in this game? Yeah, I def- definitely think so. I-, I think he had to be in the conversation, you know, and it was intriguing to me because we are talking about Josh Norman, who, from my understanding, doesn't have any ties with anybody on this coaching staff. Typically, when you see stuff like this, it's, it's a guy that had – some sort of ties with a defensive coordinator, a defensive back coach or something like that. But I'm trying to figure out where the ties are with Josh Norman. Yeah, there's always almost uh, some sort of a personal tie there. And I'm not sure what that is here. Uh, This from Eric Branch. Since 2018, quarterbacks have a 110.9 passer rating when targeting cornerback Josh Norman. They have completed 109 of 164 passes for 1,400 yards with 15 touchdowns and five interceptions. So he hasn't been the same guy recently. They're not getting that 2015 Josh Norman that you were talking about there. Uh, he started three games for Buffalo last year. Do you have a sort of a, a, a more updated scouting report? Like what have you seen from him most recently that makes you think either he can play or maybe that he could be closer to being done? Do you have any vibe there? Nah, I should have looked at it last night, but I'll probably look at it today and have more for everybody okay. tomorrow. Well, Just like and really kind of more in depth on what his strengths and weaknesses are as a 33 year old Josh right. Norman, as yes. opposed to the 2015 one I keep bringing the guy up. That you're thinking <laughs> up in your mind from Carolina, yeah, or even uh, early Washington days. And uh, he's this is his fourth team now in the NFL with the San Francisco 49ers, uh, assuming he passes his physical and we'll find out when the actual roster transaction happens. And uh, I would, you know, I would think a veteran like that. If he's, he's familiar with, you know, most schemes, I'm sure by now in the NFL, he could probably jump in and play week one, even if he only gets two practices in, right? Yeah, I think the thing that helped ease this whole thing over with me is just don't have an ugly number. Like, you can't be old, sorry, and have an ugly number. He's 24. He was 24 forever, right? And then last year, he was 29. And 29 yeah, and is now the open. 49ers, I'm thinking about what numbers are available. Oh, probably 26 because... Tart just changed his number. So that won't be that bad if he can get in 26. Something in the 20s would be fine, right? Yeah, but there's only, what, maybe number 22 available and number 26. That's it. Is somebody in 29 now? Because Tart went from 29 to 26. Yeah, Hufunga's been in 29. Oh, that's right. Hufunga's 29. Okay. You know they call Hufunga Huff? So I was live, and I kept seeing people putting Huff, and I'm like, who the hell is Huff? And it didn't even occur to me until like like two days later, I saw somebody kind of refer to him as that on social media. And I'm like, they're talking about Hufunga? It's such a good name because you go, you, it could be uh, Tally, you go Noah, you go Fonga, but they went Huff. Okay, they're going with the first yeah. part of his life. I was thinking of Huff from Texas Longhorns, Oakland oh, Raiders. Like, <laughs> Michael I'm like, that dude's long gone. What are they talking about? We got to, as a society, we got to do better with nicknames these days. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like... People still trying to call Aaron Rodgers A-Rod. And it was like, dude, there was already a baseball player just called A-Rod. You can't, like, come on. Can we come up with something better than that? So I think maybe Talanoa Hufanga. Huff, that's not going to cut it. We got to come up with a, and I think he's worthy. He's that style of player that's going to be a fan favorite. Running down there on special teams like a maniac. I think we got to come up with a better nickname for yeah, Talanoa Hufanga. So we'll put that out there to the listeners. At BD Peacock, at 
Eric underscore Crocker, and we'll we'll put our heads together. Maybe we can come up with a better nickname than Huff. And, and we'll help push that, man. Yeah. I'll call him that every single time, whatever we come up with. Whatever we come up with, okay. And hopefully, at this point, Josh Norman, hope they, you know, actually, that's perfect. His, his agent called him Jano. I, I heard that. Come on, man. Josh Norman, 33 years old, been in the NFL, pro bowler. You know, he doesn't have a better nickname than Jano right now. Give me a break. Come on. Jano. So let's, uh, yeah, let's, and actually, I'm kind of worried. You don't want Josh Norman to earn a new nickname at this point in his career because it might be a bad thing on a new team. So let's, let's not hope for that. But let's hope for health across the board. And I have a feeling we're not going to get good news as far as health goes. Uh, but the one guy really the 49ers can't afford to lose is, is Jason Verrett. And so that's still the things in the back of my mind that worries me a little bit right now because that would seem to be like, oh, crap, who's the best veteran in the market? Okay, let's go get Josh Norman because we have to get somebody. That would be sort of a panic move if if a Jason Verrett went down. If it's just Emmanuel Mosley, and I don't want to put Emmanuel Mosley, uh, see, just that, that's not fair to Emmanuel Mosley, but you could put Don, if, if Emmanuel Mosley's got a tweaked hammy, he might be out a week or two, play Lenore. He's a rookie that you hope is going to stick around for a long time. Play him against the Lions. Play Dante Johnson, right? So that's what worries Thomas. me about this Give Norman him those reps. I, I get it. Like, corner, again, I've talked about it. The transition into corner is not an easy one. You know, especially, like, for some of these guys, especially if you are uh, Ambry Thomas and everything you did was from the line of scrimmage. And now, you know, you're getting accustomed to, like, different things. Things are going through your mind. Like, I could see a scenario where he comes in and he, you know, has some struggles, but as a third round pick, it's like, all right, you got to play through some of this. So, you know, I would think that this would be an opportunity to just get your young guys on the field. If, whether we have to rotate Lenore and Ambry Thomas or one of those guys just takes control of the situation, but you would like to see what they have. Unless, like you said, it's, it's Jason Verrett. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't like thinking about that right now. So let's not, let's not put that out there into the universe just yet. Um, one quick question here and i've seen this a lot do you think the 49ers are disappointed in their draft picks and and not even so much lenore because i don't know how they could be disappointed in a fifth round pick that's that's played like lenore has and would be someone that we're talking about even giving him some important snaps it's mostly the the amber thomas side of things and again the 49ers knew what their corner situation was all off season long this is the team they put together and then you know a few days before the season starts they add someone like josh norman do you think there's some disappointment that they learned in training camp and preseason games about their group yeah i mean there definitely can be and not just with the corners i mean you look at was uh aaron I, I don't want to call him aaron banks aaron banks yeah the the guard Okay, this is Aaron Banks. Right. Um, he's okay. already that far Aaron out Banks, of your mind. He's, he's, uh, he's yeah, just Aaron Banks, Aaron Brooks, around. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I was listening to uh, Lil Wayne last night, and he was like, I'm in the way you can't pass like Aaron Brooks. So, like, that's just kind of been in my head. But, uh, <laughs> but um, Banks, one, he did not look good. And then he sustained an injury. And I think that could, like, you know, kind of cause a little bit of disappointment with him because I'm sure – they want him to take over at right guard and have Brunsko as a swing, everything, right? And then you have your third and your fourth round picks or third, your third round, your Two running back, I think you're okay with. Yeah. But then you have Embry Thomas, who was just really up and down. I thought there was moments where he looked good from a movement skill standpoint, but the results weren't there. And then you look at, you know, just Lenore and he he's solid, but I still think he lacks a little bit of that high-end athleticism traits that you typically would like to see from your outside guy. So um, 
I mean, you have two Hufunga who I think they're they're happy about. But if we're specifically talking about the corners, Ambry Ambry Thomas, they probably would like him to be a little bit further along because mm-hmm. he kind of he kind of got picked on. I thought he played very well though against the Chiefs, but still had some hiccups. And I think that just kind of continued. Ton of reps he got during preseason, but it seems like still the up and down play. And I'm not sure if I'm seeing the the workout numbers on the field with Ambry Thomas either. I kind of questioned it a little bit when I was watching his college tape after they drafted him. Like four, like high four threes, four four flat guy. Like I, I'm just not seeing. Uh, it's not unathletic. I'm just not seeing this crazy burst, this high, very high athletic player right. when I see Ambry Thomas on the field. So that could be some of the disappointment there, too, is I thought maybe they were getting a higher-level athlete that, even if he was raw, could develop into something more than maybe what they're seeing right now. I don't know. I'm just There's a lot of unknowns here with this Norman signing because there's too many bodies and something doesn't add up. Right. Let's talk about Killer Witherspoon. He was traded from Seattle to Pittsburgh after our last podcast was recorded. Uh, Brian Kelly has a nice little soundbite. I think we should talk about that really quick because college football is in full swing now. Crocky now, a full-time college football guy covering the NFL Draft right here on the network. That show will be coming up very soon, Locked on NFL Draft, featuring Eric Crocker and Ryan Tracy. Let's finish up this episode next. All right, football fans, tell me if this sounds familiar. You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friends log in for some other good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings you your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And that would be the best part, except there's also no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. I always love it when I get a new flavor from Built Bar and there's a fantastic one that I've tried and the stamp of approval Grasshopper Cookie. Only available this week. Order through July 9th. So get on it quickly what does it taste like it's the built bar version of the classic thin mint cookie you know what i'm talking about it's fantastic those classic flavors and the best part is is without all that sugar only 150 calories but with 17 grams of protein and only five grams of sugar get a full box maybe a mix and match box with some of the other fantastic flavors peanut butter always my favorite coconut cherry barcia double chocolate strawberry cookies and cream low calorie low sugar high in protein a snack you can feel good about and that tastes fantastic all covered in delicious 100% real chocolate so order today at built Dot com. Yes, it's a shortened URL now. You just got to go to built.com. That's it. Built.com. Built Bar is also official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. By the way, use promo code LOCKED15 and you will get 15% off your order. Again, promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. 
So another guy the 49ers could just have right now if they wanted to re-sign him is Akella Witherspoon. He went to Seattle. There were some varying reports, some reports that he looked good in camp, some reports that maybe he was disappointing a little bit. All of a sudden, he gets up and traded for a fifth-round pick, kind of like we saw the week before with Sean Wade being traded. Uh, but this is a veteran in Akella Witherspoon being traded from the Seahawks, who needed help at cornerback and actually added Sidney Jones recently to the Steelers, who also need cornerback help. But to me, this just speaks about Akel Witherspoon and the 49ers probably like, you know, if two teams with a cor- two, cor- two very cornerback needy teams letting Akel Witherspoon go in the course of eight or nine months, I think is pretty telling about where Akel Witherspoon is, right? There's something about him when he gets in your building. It's just it doesn't add up for, for how athletic and how good he should be. I think it's just a mentality thing. It's got to be, right? Yeah, for somebody like me who has been standing on the table, you know, as they say, yeah. for Akela Witherspoon and really being a believer in the ability that he has. And, like, we see it, right? We see the traits. We see the gameplay. We see him make plays. We see the high-end ability. But then we also see the low-end. And there was just so much inconsistency. And I was thinking just at some point the, the consistency is going to kick in because the, the ability and the gameplay is there. And it just never did for the 49ers. So I thought maybe just a fresh start in Seattle. Uh, Pete Carroll does an amazing job of just empowering his players and instilling a certain level of confidence in his guys. And we saw what it did for DJ Reed and kind of turn things around for him. I thought, you know what, man, if he can do the same thing for Akela Witherspoon, like watch out, like because that's going to be really good for him. He just lacked consistency, not ability. Well, they traded him. And – we just talked about this. People don't just trade corners that they feel like can play, especially cover corners. So what that trade told me was they either saw way too much inconsistency from Akela Witherspoon or they just feel like he couldn't play. And for him, that's really tough. Now he goes to Pittsburgh and, you know, they have a really good uh, front as far as the pass rush goes. And we'll see if uh, Melvin Ingram can step in and do what maybe Bud Dupree did, but, uh, it's a very interesting dynamic for him, but this is this is I don't want to say this is it. When you're 6'3, 200 pounds and you have his type of athleticism, you'll hang around a little bit longer. But as far as just being coming in and being like a starting caliber corner, this might be his last opportunity to really make uh, an impact to some extent there. You know what's funny? I saw an interesting Twitter exchange featuring one Richard Sherman. This weekend, and it was Evan Silva, who is a big time fantasy guy and uh, analytics sort of a sort of a dude. And he said, I can't remember entering an NFL season with so many poor secondaries across the league. And this is before inevitable droves of injuries. NFL badly needs an influx of quality young DBs. And he was quote tweeting uh, what the, the Cardinals cornerback situation looks like. And I know Alex Clancy of Locked on Cardinals recently has been tweeting about it. And I think there's only one player right now that has logged snaps at cornerback for the for the Cardinals and that's Byron Murphy who was a rookie in 2019 he's played two years 31 games he's played no no other games played in the last two years Robert Alford missed two seasons he's back now so he's a veteran rookie Marco Wilson uh, Tay Gowan a sixth round rookie and then Luke Barku who's an undrafted free agent last year that is the Cardinals cornerback group and it doesn't look great and Richard Sherman replied to Evan Silva said Shrug emoji, games changing. 
Like basically, Richard Sherman saying, "Look, teams don't care about corners anymore. They care about what's up front, and it, it really goes along with." And he's been there with the 49ers. The 49ers putting way more resources in the defensive line than they are in in guys who can cover. And is that just like what we're seeing now? And I know, Croc, you're not going to be down with the, the league just fading corners overall, right? Well, I actually, I mean, if I had the choice, I'd build from the front out as well. Like, you know, I'd put more resources into that front and generating pressure, especially in today's game where in coverage it's so difficult. You know, it's, it's really hard to cover guys because, you know, you touch a guy wrong, they throw a flag. Uh, you breathe on a guy wrong, they throw a flag. All these concepts that offensive coordinators are coming up, you know, is like you can be the most talented corner, but they're going to put other guys in the bind. So I do feel like I would put more resources and build my front and maybe even linebackers and just try to get serviceable secondary guys. So if the Cardinals are really good up front, it's not going to matter that a lot of these guys haven't logged a bunch of playing time, uh, you know, snaps go as far, you know, in their secondary. They got Buda Baker back there. He makes plays. You know, it's nice to have that one guy who, you know, you can count on. Everybody else is just, can you just do your job and be serviceable and let the front get after guys? Yeah, I hope Chandler Jones and J.J. Watt are doing their jobs up front and making everybody else's jobs easier. Yeah, and that's the way the 49 And they got the two linebackers, too. Look at the linebackers that they got, right? Like, talking about Simmons in the previous draft yeah. and then uh, Collins. Was it Carter. Collins, yeah, Collins yeah. In, in this draft, in back-to-back drafts, drafting middle linebackers. So that, that kind of tells you what their thought process is. Coverage linebackers, front seven, I mean, uh, front four, get after it. Buda Baker and the gang, just, you know, be serviceable. That's, when you really put it together, too, with what they're building, the back seven especially, with the oddball players they have there, Buda Baker and... Uh, Zayvon Collins, like 270 pound linebacker. He can like kind of play off the edge, but they're going to play him as like a true middle linebacker. I think Isaiah Simmons is sort of a hybrid safety linebacker guy. Both wait, those... Zayvon Collins is what you said 270? He's 270 pounds. Dude's huge. No way. Yes, go look at Zayvon Collins, man. He is a I monster. He, he looks like, like a 225 defense... pound guy. No, he he reminds me of he, he's not quite like Levon Kirkland or anything like that. He's more of a. He looks like a an out like a stand up outside linebacker pass rusher, but plays more of a standard off ball linebacker role. He's a huge dude, but he's really athletic too. I'm so to I'm, I'm fascinated to see how they use those guys at linebacker because they don't. Neither one of those guys is, is a traditional. You know what you think of as a linebacker, especially this day and age, the way guys are shaped. Wow, he is huge. He's massive. I had no idea. I don't know if it was maybe the number twenty five at what was he at Tulsa. I don't know if it was the number, but mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, even his his uh, Wikipedia has him listed at 6'4", 260 pounds. I would have never thought. Never. He looks, he carries his weight well. He does, yeah. Interesting Man, group that's, there. That's a big linebacker for today's game. Oh, it's huge. It's crazy. Right, yeah. So, um, really quick here, a note. We're recording this Monday morning. This is from Matt Barrows. Today is 49ers four-finger day. They have an hour-long practice, and that practice is going to start about an hour after we record here, and maybe we'll get some clarification on the roster movement there and who might be hurt. We'll talk about all this stuff tomorrow. But essentially, Trey Lance injured his finger August 29th. Uh, if he's able to take snaps today and throw passes, that looks that will be good for him and his um, progress to potentially play in week one because it was supposed to be about a week-long seven-day or so injury, and so this is about seven days since Trey Lance has hurt his finger 
So we'll see what happens with that bone chip in his finger. With Trey Lance, we'll have all the news and what's going on with the 49ers tomorrow. Last quick note, Croc, that uh, we had talked about a little bit off the air. Brian Kelly's comments after that Notre Dame-Florida State game. uh, I thought it was funny. I understand what he's saying, but people are crushing him. I was going to say people are killing him for it, but that wouldn't be uh, politically correct for me to say that because that's what he's in trouble for. He's talking about execution, and he said there's players that that he would execute on his team. He's not going to murder his players. Like People need to calm down a little bit. I get why he, you know, he should, you know, he probably shouldn't say that with a microphone in your face, but coaches say weird crap all the time. He was making a play on words with execution, execute. I get what you're saying. I, it's not a huge deal to me. I thought it was kind of funny when I heard it. It was like, oh no, he's going to be in trouble. But I was smiling when I heard it. I wasn't like aghast and shocked, like, oh my God, he's going to go back in and start murdering his football players. Yeah. Well, it has created kind of like some sort of like a firestorm across social media. And yeah. I've seen his quote maybe a hundred times this morning. And I'm just like, man, like, that's what we're picking to choose. Like coaches, as I've been growing up, they use all kinds of different analogies, whether it's to motivate guys or just to kind of put something into perspective that's in their head. And that's all he's doing. But in t- today's day and age, like every everybody's just so sensitive and so on edge about every little thing that an old school coach, if he says the wrong thing the wrong way, everybody wants to kind of crucify him for it. And I, I, that's tough. It's got to be a, it's got to be tough to be a coach in today's age. You can't just talk like you normally talk. You actually have to just be like super cookie cutter, straight to the point, and not give them anything to write about. Right. Like if he says the same thing, like, to his coaches or to the the players in the locker room, nobody would say anything about it. But he said it to a reporter. It was on national TV. Everyone saw it when it happened live. And I just saw uh, just a stream of people like, what did he just say? I can't believe he just said that. Um, And then the other one was Ed Orgeron. He was talking smack to UCLA fan, LSU, UCLA. And so a score one for Chip Kelly and the UCLA Bruins beating LSU. And he was like, uh, Bring your ass on with uh, with your sissy white or your sissy blue t shirt or whatever. Ed uh, Orgeron. <laughs> do his voice again. Do that again. <laughs> I don't have enough of the bayou in it. He's like, bring your ass on and your sissy blue t shirt. Basically, is what he said to some <laughs> UCLA fan, and uh, and then proceeds to go out and lose that game. So he's got to eat his own words there. So some some fun. Uh, some fun stuff happening with college football. Football is back. That's the big takeaway for me this weekend. College football. There's some really fun games, some big-time prospects that Croc's going to be talking about a lot every day on the new Locked On NFL Draft show. We'll let you know when that thing is launching very soon. We'll be talking about a lot of prospects as well as it pertains to the 49ers right here on Locked On 49ers. Football is back, Croc, and no more weekends without NFL football until February, right? So I'm pumped for it. Yeah, let's do it, man. And we've got you I'm covered excited. daily right here. Locked on 49ers.